Welcome to the Raindrop Corner Podcast, a chill place where creatives and real-life superheroes converge to chat it up about cool things. And I'm your host, Kay. And without further ado, here's an ode to our guest. Frank Lewis. Oh, how he flew. He flew far and wide. He flew. Embracing soft, melodic cacophonies, with a strum of bass and a very small smile, a duality of a man etched in a quaking silhouette, the better side of Peter Pan's shadow, you see, daring to howl at the moon night after night, and the firmament, well, they called him fluology. Flu. Do you hear its echo? The art of flu is... It's a tantalizing, stylized convergence of figure and ground, synthesized against daring shades of black and white, slight variances of color against the majesty of the most beautiful form in the world, that of a woman. More than that, it lies in tendrils of backdrops of a manic psyche. Behold, the proverbial whoosh of the senses, sentient otherworldly spaces, deconstructed into intent-driven places, a maelstrom of soul-kissed frenzy, juxtaposed onto canvases and sketchbooks, stroke after stroke, singing a ballad of late nights, quantified in the wake of reformed fathers, discarded comic books, dripping inkblood transmuted into creation. We give you fluology, and oh did he fly. He flew far and wide. Our guy he flew. I have a very special guest and this is a special show and you're here on a special show. This is the season premiere of the Raindrop Corner podcast and today we have with us Frank Lewis also known as Flu from Fluology and I wanted to talk to you not only about your artwork but kind of how you ended up getting into art specifically the medium you and you can correct me if I'm wrong, the way you had it defined for flu was it combining black and white artistry to kind of project women. Hi, thanks for having me first. Of course. Um, thank you for being here. I think it took a while for me to, to arrive with the black and white stuff. When I was growing up, my father was sick all the time. He eventually died when I was in yeah. second grade. <clears throat> but he, ins- he instilled in me a love of comic books. I taught myself to read from comic books. I had a Japanese mother Mm -hmm. um, who wouldn't be the best English teacher. She tried very hard, though. But I learned how to read from comic books and then started drawing, copying from the comic books just on the notebook paper. And uh, then I became that guy in school who was always ready to doodle something, do a poster for the teacher, whatever, you know. So the cool kid, basically. Uh, cool, but, but um, <laughs> definitely known for being the kid who draws all the time instead of doing his work. Gotcha. I had a couple years of college, and then um, I did a, a four-year enlistment in the Navy back in the 80s, and uh, got out of the Navy in the late 80s, and started hanging around, 
out with musicians instead of painting. And uh, I was still that guy, though, you know, handmade birthday cards and flyers for my friend's band. So I spent most of the 90s um, in a small local band. And then part of the 2000s, no, first 10 years of the 2000s, basically, um, in another band, just, you know, playing music and not really focused on art. 2009, my parents both passed away. Um, my mom and my stepfather. And then the next year, I was in a car wreck. Oh, wow. I'm, are you uh, okay from it? Oh, yeah, yeah, I was. Um, I, it was a car wreck that I walked away from. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, minor injuries, the worst of it being a bruised sternum, which was, oh. I highly don't recommend it, um, from the seatbelt. And it basically just kind of, I couldn't really do anything because the bruised sternum just affects your whole core. Mm-hmm. Everything, every move you make stresses it out. So I basically just laid on the couch for six weeks, which led to a lot of thinking. And I was just kind of at that point of like, you've claimed the title of artist all your life. Where is it? And uh, as soon as I got better, I started, uh, I started painting. And I started with ink, mm-hmm. which, which takes a long time to get all that black. It does. Uh, <laughs> with ink. So I was, I was using uh, specialized pens and using them in not in the manner that they were uh, built for. Um, which was great, which helps kind of makes it unique mm-hmm. and created a really um, specific background pattern of black, which I found neat because it gave it a lot of movement, just, you know, black movement, um, like being in a completely black room and your eyes are still trying to see stuff. So it's pitch black, but there are things going on in your vision as your brain and your eyes try to compensate for all that blackness. It's a um, beautiful way to put it. I was just having a conversation with somebody about how there actually is movement going on in that black room. And once your eyes adjust, you can actually make out that bit of detail in perspective. <laughs> but continue. It's just as soon as you said that, it made it kind of made me happy on the inside. Yeah, yeah. like, are we crazy or just other people know about this? <laughs> no, we're not crazy. And if we are, we're the good kind of crazy. Yes. I also, I have to ask you too, because you brought it up and I'm a huge comic book fan. So I have to ask you, do you have a favorite comic book series? You said you kind of grew up reading them. I was born in the early sixties, all the way up through about 73. Up to the time I was about 10, um, we lived here in Orange Park. Mm -hmm. And at that time, like Marvel and DC would do lots of things like do a lot of reprints of older comic books. So I kind of grew up with like a, you know, uh, the Fantastic Four mm-hmm. and Batman. Batman's always been the favorite. Um, Superman, Spider-Man, that kind of stuff from the 60s. And they were reprinting some of the original stuff. So I was able to get it at the convenience store and learn and see like the original X-Men stories, um, Justice League stuff. Just It was pretty cool. And I collected, as it were, um, through the 60s and 70s and stopped when I joined the Navy. I just didn't have the room to carry it. So yeah, uh, comic books are, were, had a huge effect on me. People like Frank, Frank Miller. Love um, Frank Miller. was huge back in the day when he was doing Daredevil and then did the Dark Knight stuff. Um, just his use of black was a, a, left a big imprint, as mm-hmm. did several other people. Like uh, Jack Kirby was pretty generous with his big thick black lines and and Steranko and 
you know, the greats from the 60s and 70s all had a huge effect on my going into the direction I ended up in. You can kind of see it depicted in your work, too. And you just to revert back to something you said, you said you had a lot of time to sit after you bruised your sternum and you were kind of postulating, you know, what is artistry? What does the definition of artistry mean to you? And with all of those influences of Jack Kirby and Frank Miller and their use of black, how did your postulating, you musing on artistry and kind of taking everything that you've learned throughout the course of your life bring you to the paintings that you created and the paintings that you create now? Wow, good question. <laughs> um, what is art? It's, it's so vague. It's, it's different to everyone i have these things i have to get out of my brain mm-hmm. and um hopefully i will like them or love them enough to show them to other people you'll never see the stuff i failed on i don't know i have pretty high standards for myself that sometimes gets in my way mm-hmm. that's uh, fair as an artist it's almost a rite of passage we get our own way all the time so I'm kind of boxing my way out of a, a, a block right now. I put myself in a situation where I have to paint something, mm-hmm. um, which will help me kind of get the ball rolling uh, for this year because I've got a lot of stuff I want to paint this year. I have a friend named Kelly who is the first girl who posed for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I basically uh, I basically do a photo shoot and then work from the photo references. Dozens and dozens of, of references or potential references in the space of an hour or two you know, the, the model never gets tired or sore or stiff because, you know, we're changing and it's done. And uh, from her, I got, she'd modeled for other people before. She was no, um, it wasn't her first time. So she had a lot of great advice for me, which helped me a lot mm-hmm. with every other woman who came and posed for me. Um, they're typically all women that I, I've met. I rarely do commissions for people because... I need I need to be in control of the photo reference. Mm-hmm. You know, this whole spot behind me I have so I can black it out with black sheets and then I use a, just a single light and change the direction of the light all the time to get where I need to go. When I was looking at your work, there were two in particular that stood out to me. And the first one was the golden age of the celluloid because oh, it, yeah. it kind of, it put me in the idea the mind of there's a scene from cabaret with liza minnelli like towards the end of the movie where she's on stage (laughs) (laughs) i just love her so much and she's just she's looking out at the world and you can just kind of see the wear of all of the things she went through in the beginning of the movie and even prior to the movie starting just like inferred Mm -hmm. and you kind of see that on her face and as i was looking at it it looked like a captured moment so it makes sense that you would use photo references because I was wondering that you can see it's interesting. You can even though the image technically is stationary, you can see the motion in it and you can see the story in it. And I think there's something powerful about that. And what what made you want to take photos and use the references? And furthermore, what made you want to use women as as your subjects in the work that you do what better subject than a woman right <laughs> it's true that's a good answer I mean, i've done some flowers here and there and uh some landscapes here and there but there's so much more mm-hmm. in a person's face and, and for me from a woman's face um my mom was a very strong woman 
Um, I would say that she was probably the captain of her family. With for, my stepfather was great too. He loved me like I was his. That's and awesome. I owe him a lot too. Um, he was a good man. Um, old fashioned from Louisiana, so you know he wore the brand of redneck pretty proudly. But <laughs> he had a big heart, and you know he he was able to overcome a lot of his earlier training teaching from you know the i guess the 40s and early 50s when he was a kid in the middle mm-hmm. of nowhere mississippi and louisiana back back and forth between those two mm-hmm. it really says a I lot had, too because i yeah. had to be hard on his part to do to unlearn or, some of those i said it had to be hard on his part to unlearn some of those generational ideas and beliefs yeah well i think his first big step was, you know, meeting my mom and falling in love with her and marrying her, you know, because she was not a white woman. And then he, him being in the Navy, a lifer in the Navy, you know, the military makes you sit side by side with a lot of different kinds of people. And so, you know, as, as he grew, he actually grew and not a racist person because he started out as a racist person. He, he did. I hate to say it, but he did. You know, I asked him. It was the N-word once, and he never said it again. That's awesome that he just kind of stopped cold turkey. And I think it's a call out to the fact that people legitimately can change if they're willing to, if they're open to that. So that's that's really neat. And let me ask you, because you said that you went into the Navy as well. Did your stepfather being in the Navy kind of inspire you to join the Navy? Yeah, well, I was, you know, a lot familiar, a lot more familiar with the Navy than the other branches, because um, it's basically a Navy brat my entire life. And I just hit a point in my life, I think I was 21, I was just like, I've dropped out of college, I need some time. And it, it basically bought me four years mm-hmm. of life experience, really, and meeting a ton of really different people, which was pretty cool in the long run. And I got out of the Navy, and I just, you know, kind of had this artist idea in my head. You know, at this point, I think I'm 26 or so, and and just kind of got sidetracked by playing live music, which was fun. And I would imagine that if I went visual instead of musical at that time, that I'd be doing very different things right now. In what way do you think you would be doing different things right now? It's really hard to say what would have piqued my interest. I think I was just really too immature to really settle on anything specific. As I look back over what I've done since I got out of the Navy, the sporadic artwork here and there, it all, you can see the evolution to where I ended up. It's like the further I went, the more I used black and the less I used color until finally I was just like, do I really need any color to tell this story or to tell a story? I, I don't know what kind of story that you see in your head when you see a picture like the golden age of celluloid. I only know what was in my brain. But hopefully, I always hope that other people connect to it in some way. So I, I'm usually fairly vague about what it means to me personally. Um, the closest answer you'll get is the title of the picture. I like the idea of people having their own story. People, oh, I think this means that. And I'm like, that's brilliant. I didn't think of that when I was painting it, but I love that that story that they built for that picture. If I can make a connection with other people through art, through a painting that I painted, then then it's been a good day. 
And that's a beautiful thing too, because people see shades of themselves or they see shades of the world and it makes them think and gives them perspective. And just to kind of loop back to what you said about only giving at most the title, I really enjoy that. I think it was, so this is more of a poet than an, um, than a painter who said it, but Langston Hughes, I can't remember the exact quote, was talking about all of the people that approach him asking what the poem is about. And he pretty much said that in terms of artistry, it doesn't matter what the poem is about to him as much. It matters more in terms of how it makes the reader feel. What does it invoke in them? What kind of questions does it make them ask? And being okay with not necessarily having an answer to the question, but kind of postulating on it so that they can kind of reach this new level of appreciation for it. And it was really refreshing to see that because I could see it in your art. It filled me with a lot of questions. It filled me with a lot of feelings. And for a second, I almost saw myself especially like coming off of the year that was 2020 and just the myriad of things happening, kind of surveying myself and surveying the state of the world. So that is something that I can definitely appreciate in an artist. Um, What does your artwork say about you, essentially, do you think, in your opinion? Man, what does it say about me? I hope everyone feels that I treated my subjects respectfully that's very important to me i don't want any of my models to ever feel like for whatever reason i made them look bad or projected them poorly i want them i want my models to feel like like i made them feel beautiful for a second that's great what does it say about me Jeez, it's a tough one i honestly didn't have that question planned (laughs) It just organically came out as we were talking because you, as you reflected on who you were and how your art has evolved, obviously it has tendrils of you in it. So I was very curious about what that looks like to you and which parts of you you see in your artwork. I think uh, to most people I'm fairly guarded, outgoing at times, but guarded. I think I'm one of those weird introvert extrovert mixes yeah, um, can relate there are times i'm just i want to be the center of attention and there's times where i just i want to flee 10 minutes after i get to an art show i think that the people who are close to me i'm very open um and can be you know intimate as far as what's going on inside i feel like i'm a person of contrast and, and part of that is what i like about the black and white and sometimes gray occasional splash of red i think that kind of is me i'm I'm fairly black and white but i definitely have shades of gray occasional splash of red (laughs) what's the red represent to you love life humanity you know our lifeblood i like so i don't use it very often so that way it doesn't become just like the the shtick because i've seen that shtick before i have you know like faces with red lipstick by the same guy all the time and it's like the red becomes more special if it's only like two or three of them have it i've tinted paintings as well where where i, I blended a blue with the black that i uh, have seen there was um there was the one you did it was kind of blue oh, yeah. yeah that one yeah uh-huh uh, there's another one called uh the girl the ocean and the strawberry moon mm-hmm. the first one though that you mentioned was uh that was ink 
Right. Wow, I totally forgot about that. I see it clearly now that you mentioned that one. Because um, I was thinking of the other one, which is more recent. But it's still kind of, even if I use a tint or add color, the the, the contrast of it is still there for me. Um, one of the things I, techniques I use in, on the acrylics um, is usually one of two things. These are just straight up a brush and get just very smooth textures. But the other one was how I first started painting on canvas. Um, I guess technically it's a palette knife painting, but I'm using like a one and a half inch putty knife. Mm-hmm. And that kind of helps re- help me um, replicate that geometric black background that I developed in the ink paintings, except now is even much more textural. And you see scrapes of white underneath. It, all, it almost has a, a, a stucco feel. And um, one of my favorite things is watching people at a gallery like, reach out to touch it and then then they always stop over I'm not supposed to touch anything because um, it's very textural and that's the other kind of interesting contrast I like is, is you have these geometric s- strokes of paint mm-hmm. uh, car, you know being used to delineate a soft or organic form a woman um, so I kind of find that interesting to me too using essentially rectangles and squares to create curves and softness. I, it draws the eye in, and you're really good at adding texture to the softness, too. You can almost feel it as you look at it. And I think it kind of it brings the painting out even more. It goes from feeling static to feeling dynamic. Right, right. Going for that moving black thing that our brain does. Yeah. And even when I'm just using a paintbrush and everything is smooth, I still try to not paint in the same direction all the time. I try to add that. So if you look at the brush strokes, they're all actually all wonky against each other um, in, in terms of the direction of the brush stroke. Yeah, and I can kind of see, I can see them crossing in that way too. I feel like the picture probably doesn't do it justice. <laughs> I feel it's like... really have usually, you know, said the same thing as like when they see it at a show they're not really prepared with the te- for the texture, just having only seen it on their phone or on their desktop. I mean, if you, what side of town do you live on? So I live near the beaches, literally like four blocks from the beach on the south side in that area so of town. I'm in the Orange Park right now. Well, I say right now like I'm going to go anywhere. Um, <laughs> you might. You never know. I, I don't know. My house is paid for and, and it's big, and every room is filled with all my crap, so... in Orange Park, I mean, now the traffic, but you know what? The traffic anywhere in Jacksonville, you can say that about. That's true. It's like that everywhere. And speaking yeah. of galleries in Orange Park, I know that your artwork is on display, I believe, at the art spot, is it? Yes. Yes, so... yes. I think I paintings there. Um, Chris is amazing. He, um, he just... I hope this works out because it's a cool thing to have in Orange Park and in the mall to boot. Yeah, you know? that is pretty cool. Which is kind of weird. It's like, the mall, really? Like, why not the mall? It's a you nifty know? place to have it because you have so much traffic flow. And it's a right, good right. way to, like, capture a variety of different audiences because the mall pretty much brings people from all walks of life to it. Right. So. That works out nicely, and that's awesome that you kind of got your work featured there. That's amazing. Yeah. And if you get a chance, you should stop by so you can you can check them out in person. Um, Definitely I going like to, to. 
I like to paint big canvases you can buy at art stores you know um i think the biggest one i have right now is four foot by four foot but three by four and two by four are my my two favorite sizes at the moment big but not ridiculously big big but i don't need to rent a truck to get them home kind of thing you know (laughs) fair because i've definitely seen some paintings like that it's like Jeez, dude, that thing's like 12 foot by 20 foot. I have two. I won this huge... I can't even remember how big it was, but it could not fit in the car. I won it for a raffle, and I'm like, I have no way to get this home right now. As you kind of talked a little bit about your process, where do you want to... How do you want to evolve as an artist? What would you like your artwork to have going forward? Maybe new things that you're excited about or you have yet to explore? I have more ideas exploring the same concepts i've been working on i i want to add i have an idea for for uh doing a series of couples mm-hmm. and i want them all you know white couples mixed couples black couples gay couples lesbian couples trans couples whatever i can find mm-hmm. whoever i can get to sit for me that's what i want to do if they're like pokemon i want to do them all <laughs> yeah. but you'll be better than ash ketchum ever was i'm excited for you okay. <laughs> I host. I'm excited. I've already got one local couple who who have agreed to do it, so I'm excited about that. That's pretty cool. And they're 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 well known in the artist community, which is even better. You well, know? There you go. Um, That's fun. I, I tend to stick towards people who are who aren't muggles. Uh, <laughs> I like that. Non, I like that. Non creative types, mm-hmm. and you know, and there are a lot of people who who don't paint but are very artistic people who are very supportive of the arts and you know or to me are are like just part of the artist community i like Um, that they're they're enablers that camaraderie is important too i feel like i i don't know if you've seen it it's a show on netflix called bridgerton um there is there without going into what this show is about because that part isn't even relevant to what i was gonna say but there are moments where they go to these art rooms and they confer with other artists and they just sit there and talk and experience art and they flow off of each other. Not everybody's an artist or a painter or a musician, but they all gain something from that interaction. So I think it's really cool um, that you do that because, I mean, it's a cool way to build relationships. It's a cool way to, like, kind of empower people i feel like sitting down and having a session done and then later having those photos turned into whatever iteration you want of a painting is an incredibly inspiring thing for you for the person yeah um i think that technique was actually taught to me by my high school art teacher um in 11th and 12th grade who i still know (laughs) that's how you know it was a good teacher she right and and she's you know she's fairly well known in the art community and and uh, always introduce oh you need to meet this artist he's been doing this for fifty years and it's like awesome you know um, but she taught us this this concept of brainstorming where you, you all just sit around and, and talk about ideas and other people will elaborate on an idea that you may have pitched out and me and some friends used to do that back in the late nineties um, when we we're doing a lot of music and art um, and we were kind of always kind of like you know, is this what they were doing, like, back in the, uh, like, in France, you know, all these artists sitting around talking about Impressionism or uh, or what have you. Um, 
are we doing the same thing? Will we be like them? It, which is cool because a lot of those people that were in those conversations are uh, known artists in town. One of them became an art professor in a school up in, I think, Pennsylvania. Yeah, Pennsylvania. And other musicians have gone on to, you know, just that's what they do is they play music, which is great. That is really cool. And it, yeah, anytime you can do what you love and, and it can pay your bills. Go for it. Just do it. Yeah. yeah. At some point, I'm going to have to retire. And, and that's what I'll be doing is just painting full time. I'll be that old guy in a tent with a whole bunch of paintings. And that sounds like the perfect way to retire. It doesn't sound bad. I, gotta, I, I, might, I, gotta say. I might steal that and make that my retirement plan. <laughs> I haven't found one yet. <laughs> But I just sincerely thank you for coming on today. I do have another question for you, and I do this to every single guest that comes on to the show. I always ask two questions. One is more of a personal reflection question, and the other one's just a little bit fun. So we'll do the, we'll do the fun one last. The personal reflection question is: What is one thing you would like to do better? as an artist and that is in whatever context you want it to be in oh i'd like to work faster <laughs> i like evolving you know i don't want ever i don't want it to feel stale or just i don't ever want to get the going through the motions uh, crank out another one i don't want to i don't i want to be excited about every painting you know i'm always sad when a painting sells because then i don't it's not in my house anymore but on the other hand, you know, like children, they're going out there to fulfill their destiny, you know, to make other people happy. Um, so I just got to look at it like that. That makes perfect sense. I never thought about it that way. But it's yeah. it makes perfect sense that you would feel that way with all of that time and effort that you put into every single piece that you do. That's a good way to look at it. And it's very poetic, too. I can appreciate that as a poet. No. <laughs> If so, if you had the opportunity to sit down with any artist of your choosing, who would that be? Whether they're whether they're dead or alive, it doesn't matter. Does it have to be a visual artist? Nope. It can be whatever artist you want it to be. It would be I I would say probably David Bowie. Oh. Um, Who also have loved him since like I wanna say the eighth grade back in the 70s heroes heroes was the album that made me fall in love with david bowie so i think that was like 77 or so um 13 or 14 years old david bowie uh, is amazing (laughs) like everyone else's life so um yeah he was amazing just brilliant artist i love to have dinner that'd be a fun one i feel like it'd be a little magical too i've loved david bowie since labyrinth um and learned everything about him after i saw labyrinth because I was just obsessed with him afterwards. But no, that's a good choice. Frank, sincerely, thank you for coming on the show today. It was fun talking with you. It was fun glimpsing into your world a little bit. Tell everybody where they can find your artwork and learn more about you if they want to find you on social media. You can find me on Facebook at Fluology. Or you can send me a friend request at Frank Lewis, uh, parentheses, Flu. And Fluology on Instagram. Um, although that's pretty cluttered up with a bunch of photographs of the river a couple blocks away from me. So, um, (laughs) but all the paintings are there. All the little side projects are there. Thank you for having me. No, thank you for being here. And again, everybody 
This was Frank Lewis, also known as Flu from Fluology. It was wonderful having you on the show and talking with you, and you're always welcome to come back again. Well, thank you. I look forward to meeting you in person when all this stuff is over. I look forward to meeting you in person, too, and I'm going to definitely go to the art gallery and check out your pieces. I'm super excited to see them in person. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you to all of our listeners out there. As always, you are the most beloved and you make all of this magic possible week after week. The Raindrop Corner podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and almost all standard platforms for listening. Until next time.